One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. An inferno match <laughs> at this time of year on this episode of SmackDown with no hype or build in your kitchen. Come on to the Rock Show. Come on to the People Show. Come on to the Premier Show. SmackDown. It's the 8th of June in the year of our Lord 2000. The release of Sonic's It Feels So Good is number one in the charts. The Eurotrans single charted in 98 and it went so well they thought, sod it, let's do it again. <laughs> Gladiator is still number one for the fourth week in a row, getting the Triple H push in 2003, not letting any other film get to its level. <laughs> the big game this week is Space Channel 5, aka Parappa the Rapper in Space. Notable for having Michael Jackson collaborating with Sega again, but sadly, he doesn't dance to any of the Sonic 3 music that he didn't compose. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yes, he did. But the big news this week in the world of outside wrestling is on the 6th of June, Channel 5 airs the one-off game show Naked Jungle. <laughs> oh, God! Is this your highlight of the news? <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, my God! Keith Chegrin with his little with his little checkers out. That's right, both of them. <laughs> Naked Jungle was shown as part of Naturism Week, and attracted 2 million viewers, a record for Channel 5, with 20% of the audience share in its time slot. The show featured presenter Keith Chegwin and contestants completing a number of puzzle-type tasks in a jungle environment. The programme sparked a debate about nudity on television and was mentioned in the House of Commons, where Culture Secretary Chris Smith questioned the quality of British television content. Oh, Channel 5 in the 90s. In August 06, a Radio Times poll called it the worst British TV programme ever. In 07, interview Digital Spy, Chegwin said of Naked Jungle, it's the worst career move I made in my entire life. If I could turn the clock back, I would. He said that due to the programme's time slot of 11pm on a Tuesday, he believed it would not have gained as much publicity as it did. Here's the and part of today. me wishes that this was the week that we had the American Matt McMuscles on so we could attempt in vain to explain this to a, an American more suited to Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> so that was everything going on in, the, in that week. But, Matthew, yes, what of wrestling? What of anything but naked Keith Chegwin? <laughs> To, to, how, about, yeah, how about any, literally, were there any war crimes being committed across the world, Matthew? I mean, why not? You've wet our appetite enough. Yes, fret not. In the wonderful, wacky world of wrestling, a little-known programme known as SmackDown was still on UPN and still pumping out quality entertainment that can only be enjoyed by myself, Mafu, 
and the man master himself, Mr. Tom Campbell. Together we are the Coldholic Classic Smackdown Review. Tom, how the hell are you? We aren't allowed to pass any statements or judgments on what America does at the polls today because we as a country decided to put Keith Chequin's pecker on television. We are allowed to choose. We are allowed to say what's a good or bad decision anymore. <laughs> and I love Cheggers. I name drop. I did I did some radio with Cheggers years ago. Oh wow. We did he came he was doing um he was doing something for morning television up the road from us and he, we invited him into the radio studio and uh, there is a recording of uh, myself and Amy Stubbs, the newsreader at Signal 107 at the time, playing Cheggers Plays Pop with Keith Chegwin. It was quite a moment in my, my, little, my little life that I'll, I'll always treasure. But he didn't have his pecker out, which I think helped because it would have been <laughs> it would have been a very very different day. <laughs> oh, but otherwise, all is good. I love that you left that at the very end of the story, Tom, because it's what we were all thinking. It was like an Alfred Hitchcock film. <laughs> he ran in with his pecker out. But um, all is good here. All is good here. I want to take another opportunity uh, before we get into the rigours of uh, the year 2000 uh, to say thank you to everybody for the wonderful comments following Wrestling With Mental Health. It was a video that we dropped on the YouTube channel last night. And Ross told his story, his way. I've never been more proud to call him my friend. And if you haven't watched it, maybe you're maybe you're struggling at the moment with everything going on on planet Earth. It's a really heavy, heavy year, this one. And if you can find any solace from from hearing some some truths about mental health from from Ross, then I'd highly recommend that you watch it. it it's uh, it's an incredible story that Ross tells. I've never known him as open. And it was like I said, I'm very, very proud to call him my friend. So if you haven't watched it yet, I encourage you to do so. And if you have, thank you for the kind words. Yes, I watched it last night, um, and I'll say this. People get shocked and offended when I say things like this, but I don't watch everything Tom does. What? Uh, I would have no time to do anything else because <laughs> he is the hardest working man in all of wrestling media. And it, it's... Again, I'll try to use my words very carefully here. As I, as I typed to Ross last night, it's really easy to talk crap and say insulting things about things. It can be very hard sometimes for me to say things genuinely and affectionately and with um so to get my point across. So bear with me. It was lovely to see that a man like Ross, who summed up his upbringing very well, he is from that part of the Northeast where uh, depression and feeling bad are rich people problems. Uh, they're not for us, that type of thing. And it's nice to see that he is in such a position now where he can share how he's feeling and he can help normalize the fact that yes, no matter your upbringing, your area or what you do for a living, you can go through these things. And I think a lot of the time, a lot of these feelings and stuff is brought by the fact that you're not allowed to talk about it. So the fact that he did that video and the fact that it was handled wonderfully by yourself, Tom, I mean, it was a, a jaw-breaking moment when you basically asked, so what was it that stopped you? And that just that hung in the air like a bad smell, like bloody hell. I mean, we're really going into this, aren't we? Mm. Um, so thank you, and I've already thanked Ross in the DMs for making that. Um, 
it's nice that we are all real people on these channels. We're mostly playing exaggerated versions of ourselves, obviously. But when we take the mask off and show ourselves and warts and all, it can be quite... It, it can take your breath away. It's, it's more so like if you did a sit-down interview with, with Daffy Duck... You know, that type of situation where he's telling about his problems, about all the issues he has with Bugs Bunny. It, you go so attached to these people that something like that getting said by somebody from a jolly man who yells about how bad Raw is this week, it, it gets to you, you know? Yeah. I think it's easy to forget that a lot of the people that you see on in videos on YouTube, more often than not, they're, they're persona. They're personas. They're, they're reflected for for entertainment purposes and they're real people underneath. Ross is a real human underneath. And we saw that and we heard that from Ross this week. And I think that's the important part. It's from Ross. It was an idea that I, I suggested to Ross as I said, it'd be great to talk to you about mental health and where you've been. No worries if it's not something you, you don't want, if it's something you don't want to do, that's fine. But it was Ross who was like, yes, definitely want to do it. And let's let's book it in and do it. So, and it was so Ross's choice to do it. And it was all Ross's words. I simply just I steered it. Ross delivered it. Um, it was it was amazing. And um, I just I'm so proud of the messages that I've I I, I I must have got a fraction of some of the messages that Ross has got, uh, but the messages that I've got from people saying about the the dark places they've been in and and how they felt this year and how tough it's been this year and just how much comfort they got from the video of people going people who they probably uh, there's at least one message i had from somebody who said i just assumed that you guys all had the dream job and everything was great i was a little bit envious of stuff that you do but to see you as real people makes me feel closer to you and and that was that hit actually that one hit um mm. but it was there was loads i can't reply to them it's the first time i've ever put out a video where I say I genuinely can't reply to them all. Uh, but thank you very much. Uh, I'm, I'm more so on behalf of Ross. It's Ross's story that was told. Uh, I was just there just guiding it, but it was Ross's story that was told, so thank you for reaching out. But enough of that, because we've got to go back in time now. We've got to go back, math, to simpler times, the year 2000, when if you're feeling sad, you down a pint of Castrol GTX, and you... <laughs> And run you put, a mile. You run a, you put milk in your car and run a mile. <laughs> and you then you play wet tricks for a bit before ringing up the uh, ringing up the games master hotline to find out how to get past the final boss. That's right. And then you go home at Channel Five at seven p.m. and get ready for <laughs> Keith Chegan wearing nothing but a smile and a pair of lugs. <laughs> but Chegas. never mind that, Tom. <laughs> What's happening in the world of wrestling? So That's before segue. Matthew guides us through this week's episode of SmackDown on UPN, uh, just I like to give you a little bit of a, a walk around the wrestling world this week. So take, let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of humdrum. So this is what's happening in the wrestling world this week. Uh, the Rock's going Hollywood, Math. It's happening. It's starting to happen. Daily Variety reported that Dwayne Johnson is in negotiations to star in two major films that will make him $5 million each. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, looking to work on an untitled big-budget sci-fi film with Joe Roth. And he's also in negotiations to star in a prequel to The Mummy 2 called The Scorpion King. 
Dave Meltzer says a successful career in the movies would mean as far as his wrestling future is uncertain. Johnson, who has just signed a renegotiated contract with WWFE, will in the same ballpark be doing either movie that he would forward in a full year of being the biggest star in pro wrestling. So basically, he could either wrestle for a year or make two films. He'll make about the same amount of money. Uh, there's no question says uh, War Dave, that consistent losses of Johnson from the active WWF tour for significant periods of time will impact business, even though, as a movie star, it could and probably would up his marketability within the wrestling world. So you'd have to lose The Rock in order to gain some shine from The Rock on a less consistent level. This is, this is a nervous time for WWF underneath because this is where The Rock is the the hottest he will ever be like this is the peak of the rock's popularity and you've got vince making this money off of the rock and and selling out arenas off the back of the rock big ratings numbers because of the rock and now hollywood is calling and it looks as if hollywood is gonna entice the rock away you can totally get why vince mcmahon has uh, reservations about making rock-esque stars in 2020, can't you? Yeah, but at the same time, this was what was happening at late 99. No Undertaker, no Austin, fully getting ready to hang up the boots and all that. So they've known about this. So what we have right now is a stacked full card, not necessarily full of headliners, but we have Rikishi, Too Cool, Jericho, even Earl freaking Hebner as attractions on the show. So as over as The Rock is, and he is absolutely, staggeringly, wet-pantingly over. I was going so well until the third one, the rule of three, um, that you're right. They're either going to have to use The Rock to get someone else over, which doesn't seem likely given that he steamrolls over everybody, it's like an 18 wheeler going against a fly whenever he gets in the ring. <laughs> uh, or they're going to have to be smarter. However, they have just have The Undertaker come back. So that should help things. And, you know, Kane is the number one contender. So hopefully there's some stuff to go around there. But regarding Dave Meltzer's opinion about The Rock becoming a Hollywood star, it'll never last. What does he know? <laughs> there have been two. Wrestling-themed meetings of high importance this week. One of them was Paul Heyman meeting with the ECW talent. Now, Paul Heyman hadn't been at an ECW show for uh, a couple of weeks at this point. He flew to Penascola, Penascola Florida, uh, for a meeting with the ECW team. He, In a lengthy meeting, he talked about where he thinks the wrestling business is going. He believes, and this is what he told... Uh, e the ECW locker room, and you know, you take everything that Paul Heyman says with a with a with a with a pinch of salt, just to sprinkle on the bullshit, a bit like Salt Bay. Um, Heyman said he has a theory that WWF and the USA Network would settle their lawsuit, which is currently pending because WWF have approached uh, about because WWF approached a different network about working with them without consulting their current network. So there's a big lawsuit in the air right now. Uh, theory has it the WWF and USA will settle their lawsuit before going to trial. He believes that Raw will go to TNN and he believes that ECW will get picked up by the USA Network or Fox. This is what he tells 
the ECW locker room. Uh, shortly after this, Jerome Young and Balls Mahoney pipe up, New Jack and Balls Mahoney pipe up, and ask them where their money is. Because uh, pay-per-view bonuses haven't been paid out. ECW hasn't paid any in a long time. Heyman says the money is on its way. He also says, and, and this is a fascinating meeting, because Paul Heyman's always been quite a clever guy, but as we've seen, especially in 2020, in stories about him, the, 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 if you owned a bullshit detector near Paul Heyman, uh, you'd have to replace the batteries hourly. Like Heyman also says here in this meeting, he believes WCW could go out of business by the end of the year. Oh, Christ. Which would make ECW the number two company in the world. Now, he's not, he's not massively far off that particular estimation, um, but it certainly doesn't make ECW number two. Um, a few more notes from this big meeting from Paul Heyman. Um, he says that Heyman says the reason the budget has been cut back on TV tapings is because TNN broke promises to ECW and he doesn't want to spend any money to make the product look good on TNN. <laughs> so he's like, so this is, a, this is a proper silly buggers routine from Paul Heyman where he is saying, oh, TNN, uh, they're advertising other places and not us. Well, we're not going to make our product look good. What are you going to do about that? And TNN are going to go, we're just not going to advertise you and we're going to take you off. Well, in that case, we'll do even less production and it'll look even worse. What do you think of that? We'll probably just cancel you. <laughs> like, he also says there's no money trouble within within ECW, but there blatantly, blatantly is. So that was one of the meetings that happened this week. The other meeting, you'll like this one, Math. Minute, before is... we get to that, wait a minute, wait a minute, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, come on then. There's a lot to discuss there. There's a lot to unpack in there, actually. There absolutely is. Cornet did... Uh... Was asked John, asked Jim Cornette mailbag thingies. He was asked about Paul Heyman, and because of obviously he was brought up because of the AJ Styles situation happened on W in twenty twenty. And Cornette said, "It's weird. Heyman is shocked or offended at the fact that he has this reputation as being a BS artist, <laughs> which is amazing considering he's getting up to stuff like this. I mean, it's it's staggering." The Heyman TNN thing is one of the strangest ordeals I've ever read about or seen because Heyman always had to have, I think it's one of the ways he was able to be masterful and trick all the roster into believing his lies, there always had to be an adversary. There was, it was either WCW was the problem or TNN was the problem or the arena was the... There was always somebody, there was always an enemy. He's an amazing propaganda artist. So, and I love him saying, it's all right, once WCW dies, we'll be number two. And then New Jack and Balls are like, okay, cool, can we get paid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can we have some money then? It was so brilliant. I mean, it's fascinating. One day will be a deeper dive, or we'll get somebody to be on the Conrad Thompson show, who's like the head of TNN at the time programming, <laughs> going, what happened here? Like, why, what, what? Heyman went to war with the brand that was broadcasting him and his show, and then they didn't. Uh, it's just, ugh. We hate the anyway. stinking network. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Heyman, wouldn't it be a nicer idea to get along with the network? And so they get a... No! Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Could we get paid? Actually, I did think you were going to say there was a big meeting with the roster. Heyman lined them all up and then told them all individually, I'll call you right back, and then left. <laughs> anyway, Tom, sorry, what was the other meeting? The other meeting taking place is at the headquarters of MCI Communications, now MCI Worldcom. It is a shareholders meeting uh, taking place in Missouri with the shareholders at MCI and the Parents Television Council. Oh, here we go. This plot line. 
Oh, this is a deep one. So the PTC met with the with the guys from MCI to demand the company pull its advertising out of SmackDown. The PTC has pressured MCI to pull out the show for months, but the company's response has been it denies that it bears any responsibility for the content of the programs that it sponsors. Now, uh, chairman of the PTC, Steve Allen, spoke about four children who had taken who had killed other children by mimicking pro wrestling moves. Allen gave MCI one week to pull out of the show or threatened them with a nationwide educational campaign to inform Americans that MCI WorldCom shares the same offensive values as the WWF. And when we are talking about um, about some of the companies this is going to affect, the PTC claims more than 35 companies uh uh, are working with WWF and, quote, share the same values. We're talking Wendy's, Ford, General Motors, Coca-Cola, AT&T, M&M, Clorox, State Farm Insurance, Office Depot, Walgreens, Saks, Delta, Southern Air- Southwest Airlines, Allstate Insurance, Procter & Gamble, Hershey's, McDonald's, SBC, Maytag, Colgate, Palm Olive, Kellogg's, Pfizer, Domino's, Federated Department Stores, Best Foods, Wrigley's, Bank of America, and Johnson & Johnson, as well as the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Coast Guard. Uh, all look at, they, they want them all out of WWF, basically. But they're this- right with lugs. <laughs> oh, lugs are fine. No mention of lugs. No mention of Go Midas. No mention of the tobacco, anti-tobacco kit company, tobacco's yeah. wacko of your teen. Or um, the heart exploding medicine. <laughs> uh, none of that is mentioned, but um, this is the beginning of something special. Al Brent Bozell mentioned in this one, he spearheaded the original sponsorship boycott of SmackDown since he lashed out at the Procter & Gamble lot because they were dropping sponsorship of Dr. Laura's TV show in the fall because of what they perceived to be anti-gay comments on her radio show. So we're getting into the into the weeds now with the Parents Television Council. This is this is quite the journey we go on with the PCC, isn't it, Math? It certainly is. I wasn't aware until you'd said all that that they were that heavy-handed with some of the advertisers mm. um, because I was on the perspective of the PTC were saying, uh, look, you know... Have you seen the content on the show? Yes. There's women getting put through tables. Yes. There was a no-holds-barred match with blood and thumbtacks and barbed wire on Jeremy. Yes. An old woman's saggy tits were shown. No, that was Naked Jungle. No, 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 it was the Fabulous <laughs> Moolah. I, I remember them. I remember both of them very vividly. Oh, OK, I apologise for that. OK, so you're agreeing with that. Yes, that's right. And you're still saying that it's all right to have stuff aimed at kids. Oh, yeah, fine. Absolutely fine. And I can 100% agree. Now I'm a bit older and, uh, you know, look after some kids. I'm like, like, when I was a kid, I loved it. But if I was an adult, would I let my kids watch it? Absolutely not. And no. that would probably only make them want to watch it even further so you can't win. So I could agree with them there. Them going up to advertisers and going, look, uh, <laughs> those dead kids are on your hands if you don't take your stuff. And if not, we'll... Uh, campaign against you for not doing it. I'm like, oh, 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 wow. So when Bruce Pritchard and other people talk in horrible defensive ways against the PTC, I thought they were just talking about the first thing, about, no, 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 uh, five-year-old should watch this, it's fine. Uh, but now that they were doing that with advertisers, that's... Oof. I'm not sure I agree with that so much. What and, do you think, Tom? And you may be you may be listening outside of America, and you may say, "Oh, what's the big deal? Just let them just just let them go." The PTC had a massive a draw 
with people. They had a ma- they, they had the ears of the nation. Think of it as like Mary Whitehouse with a military budget. Like Mary Whitehouse <laughs> back in the day, if she if, if, with the if she had had like the sort of the the tools and the and the and the powers and the the accessories that the PCC had to be able to go to some of the programs that she rallied against and said, unless you clean it up, I'm gonna shut you down in the form of newsletters and strongly worded letters. Um, it's that. It's and th- so it was a big thing. Was there was a legit threat there from PTC because they they would have gone on a crusade about these companies. And we'll, we'll, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how this pans out, won't we? Oh, like The Rock's Hollywood career will be over in a month, Tom. They've had no <laughs> lasting effects on the product. Also in the wrestling world, there is preliminary work and funding being done to start the Fight Channel in the US, a 24-hour digital satellite television service showing martial arts, boxing and wrestling. Oh, there you go. First... I don't remember what happened there. Well, no, it was well. This is the embarrassment. Obviously, we 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 would get um, the wrestling channel many years later from this, but um, the idea of like an all fight wrestler channel that showed independent wrestling presumably was certainly being mooted. And I love this, and I want to mention this because I didn't even wasn't even aware this was a thing. This particular week, a musical is opening off Broadway called Blitzkrieg, right? It's a comedy about a kid who believes he is on a mission from God to straighten out pro wrestling, but doesn't realize that wrestling is fake. How have we never heard of this? That name doesn't really fit the description you just gave, Tom. I'm not lying. <laughs> it, it, if you if you know the play, if you once you watch the the musical, it it makes sense because. Um, the the main character is called Mickey Blitzman. So Blitzkrieg became the character name. Did he Stan was... Lee write this? <laughs> he was bitten by a radioactive German pilot from 1943. <laughs> yeah, it was. I didn't say it did very well. Uh, mind you, it came back for uh, a very brief run in New York at the, on the at the cutting room in New York in 2005. Um, but yeah, so this was this was hitting the uh, hitting the world this week. Uh, that brings all your I wrestling would... stuff this week. Yeah, that is a little thing to investigate. I hope we have more information on that next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of information on something, before we dip into SmackDown, I would like to apologise to all the people who tweeted, "Enjoy your dinner, Mafu," like <laughs> they did last week, and I responded with this generous act of kindness by doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> Um, that is some shocking rudeness just because I couldn't think of anything to do and sometimes I'm like well what can I do that's special rather than a like because I like most people who say Matthew you you looked very sexy this week like and then it's it's a bit different between that and Matthew I listened to all of your god awful stupid bloody podcast with Tom so to tell you what to make up for it at the end of this episode we'll do another little uh, a stinger whatever they call it in the business to get you to tweet at me or Tom I promise to tweet a picture of Test <laughs> to the people who decide to tweet something at me to make up for my mum. <laughs> me just going, what? <laughs> Enjoy your dinner. Who the hell are you? Oh, Smackdown, right, okay. So, again, apologies, but hopefully if you listen to this... I mean, I hope people listened to this last week who 
uh, did this, they haven't all gone, well, sod you then. If you don't respond to me on Twitter, I'm not listening to your bloody podcast. So <laughs> uh, We'll see, won't we, Tom? And we the only way to see show them. <laughs> is by diving headfirst into Buffalo, New York's finest SmackDown-related programming. Uh, Michael Cole says, last week we had three number one contenders, but now we have none. There's no dramatic recap, so all we can say is witty wee, witty woo. <laughs> it's a shame we had no dramatic recap because there, it, by the sounds of it, it was quite an exciting episode of Raw because uh, Meltzer made a few notes that were captured, which was uh, at the show, Bob Backlund, uh, this is on Raw, Bob Backlund was running around in the stands. Hard to figure out why, since Rochester is a part of Connecticut's first district where he was running for uh, election. A woman flashed he the crowd. He was literally running. He was literally Sorry. running. Uh, a woman flashed the crowd during the commercial break before the Edge and Christian and Angle match, which distracted the crowd during the early part of the match. After the live show ended, they didn't do anything after the live show to send the fans home happy, with Rock doing a speech, as would be expected. <laughs> oh, so they usually send the Rock out to do a promo? Oh. Yeah. They well, have to do reshoots. Yeah, normally they do. A, uh, they just do some pickups, and then the rock will go. Uh, candy ass smell. See you later. Oh, I know why, Tom. Because when the woman got her knocks out, <laughs> someone backstage said, "Well, we'll have to cut that out." And Rock heard that and went, "All right, we're done for the day then." <laughs> Triple H heard, "We'll have to cut that one out," and he went, "All right, I'll buy Noah." <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard that sci-fi film project you're doing, Rock? It's ah, it doesn't look good. I've I've heard it's already doomed. <laughs> Your eyes God. are dilated. Are you high? Uh, <laughs> if you've discovered this podcast for the first time, maybe you've maybe you stumbled across it via the the wrestling with mental health video, or maybe you spent a lot of your weekend watching Adam Pacitti in Helena Smell 3 and went, oh, what else did Cultaholic oh. do? By the way, big love to Adam. We haven't given Adam any love. Unfortunately, just oh. talking about being sad took over. Um, but big love. I loved... so much about him. <laughs> you should have done mental health with Adam Pacitti as he was covered in hospital. <laughs> oh, Christ. That was the time to do the interview. But big love to Adam Pacitti doing 24 hours in Helena Smell 3. Um, the video, literally, this is, this is, this will go down to history as the live, the 24 hour live stream that YouTube tried to ban in progress. <laughs> Twice the stream went down because YouTube pulled it. <laughs> I say this every week, Tom, but PTC did not have wrong. <laughs> Uh, I just had a message from Adam Vegeti saying that he is he's he's had a good long sleep and he doesn't smell anymore. So that's exciting news. Well done to Adam. Anyway, so is um it? Oh yeah, so yeah, so <laughs> we were making jokes, weren't we, about Doom <laughs> and the Rock's movie career. Let's crack on with SmackDown, shall we? Yeah, you're right. We don't want to get distracted. <laughs> Not on this show. We don't like getting distracted. 30 minutes in, and we've always said about this week's SmackDown is witty woo, witty woo. <laughs> oh, you're right, Tom. into this bollocks. But before we get to the first match, uh, I Hate Steven Singer has this brand new piece. <laughs> They are so like the 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 Conrad adverts are brilliant. Hey, well, look, we're getting distracted. We're getting distracted even further. 
You're right. We open up with Chris Jericho versus Test. Oh, good. We're not going to get distracted now. In a King of the Ring qualifier match, uh, Chris Jericho sadly has his horrible face shirt back on. It's not a good look when the bloke is outside the arena selling the T-shirts on the floor after the show are selling better designs at half the price. Uh, Jericho <laughs> says Test ain't winning, but it's okay. Here's a new King of the Ring because he's currently the Jerkle of the Squared Circle. All right, Jericho, we'll do the test jokes around here, mate. <laughs> Fast action to start off with, with Jericho landing a springboard dropkick to send Test off the apron, but managing to run right into a Test big boot, the same big boot Creative gave him when he asked if he could win the title at Survivor Series 1999. The Phil Nelson bomb gets a close two, but no one reacts. Haha, ha, test, you ain't winning, I've typed here. <laughs> <laughs> we knew that before SmackDown started. <laughs> yeah, as soon as the match was announced, I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, Jericho does his best to sell for test, but no one is buying him. Rather like Space Channel 5 this week. Sorry, Sega. Uh, Trish hits him as he tries the line salt, but Jericho kicks out and gets a roll-up, but Trish is distracting the referee. Crowd kind of buying it now. Test tries his pump handle, pump handle, pump handle thing, but Jericho shoves him into her and pins Test after a line salt. Ding, ding, ding. Wow. Test and Trish, the blind leading the blonde. <laughs> who's blind and who's blonde? <laughs> yes. I think this match happened later on in the taping and they shoved it first to get it out of the way. What did you think, Tom? Um, Test has, let's think, in the last 12 months, right, Test has been emasculated on multiple occasions by Triple H. He had his wedding crashed and his wife stolen from him and... He barely did anything about it. But you call him a jerk! And he will bomb to the ring to beat you up! Sponge Jeff! He called me a jerk! No test, he called you a jerkle. <laughs> he called me a jerk! Um... Trish, I've also put here, Trish gives the best a big boot. I think referring to, <laughs> to a boot to his face. But that was mean because Test did do a mighty good big boot. He did. He did. <laughs> I feel it's appropriate at this point. From. I feel like it's appropriate at this point since we're talking about Test, who is a, a popular in-joke on the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown review. Um, I wanted yeah, to is. bring up some news from another favourite in joke on the Cold Dalek Classic Smackdown review, and uh, and that was the British Bulldog. <gasps> okay. From Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer. Oh no. After his problems recently, Davy Boy Smith has been taken off the active roster and sent home for treatment in Calgary. Smith is taking care of his children and has gone through a myriad of problems, some self-created and others, such as the loss of his family members. Not the case. He's got numerous personal issues as well as tax issues pressing. He is still being kept on the payroll. So Davey's not in a good way. Old, old, uh, old tight jeans bulldog's not in a great way. Oh, I didn't know about the tax issues. Yeah. It's interesting. Somebody's not been, uh, somebody's not been doing their paperwork. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to pay uh, my tax whether I want to or not. <laughs> So how, how are your uh, tax reforms looking? I'm effed. <laughs> HMRC, I'm effed. Bizarre. Look, Bulldog, 
Look, Bulldog had an amazing career. A lot of people this side of the pond have a very soft spot for him. There's no denying he was he should not have been in the ring at this point. He can barely bump. He's the same colour as uncooked hot dogs. And it, yeah, his own action figure has more uh, mobility than him right now. Um, when Brucey P has been asked about this situation on a podcast with Conrad, he does say that they said, look, you need to go to rehab. And Bulldog just went, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm all right, mate. Um, and so they had no choice at that point. Uh, I don't know where the truth lies, but yeah, he was hired, if I'm remembering correctly, he was hired as uh, to, to curry favour with the Hearts, I believe, after post-Owen. I think mm. I'm getting that right. It's been a while since I've checked this. So rather than looking at this run and going, good God, we should look at it and go, and look, the fact that he went there, got some money, when no one else was going to touch him. That's some positive to be said. That's true. That's true. I'm trying my best. <laughs> you did you very... put on your serious voice, Tom. I'm, you know, I'm like, uh-oh, uh, no, say something did... serious about Bulldog in 2000. No, 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 no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's fine. He's, like I said, he's, he's, he's home. He's resting. He's, um, he's not getting a title shot anytime soon. <laughs> Might get some tax relief. <laughs> Where's, Where's my tax, my tax relief? relief? <laughs> <laughs> you call that tax relief? <laughs> you had your tax relief. <laughs> you had your tax relief. You call that tax relief? The rock dropping a people's elbow on me is not tax relief. Throws a bin through the HMRC window. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, that's funny. Oh, gosh, that's funny. <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. Put a bulldog sized speed bump in there, but away we go. We go backstage to The Rock walking. And you know, he's walking because Michael Cole yells, Hey, it's The Rock. <laughs> Chaz, on mosh, says hello, and The Rock blanks him, as some dude playing a co-worker looks unconcerned. <laughs> oh, this must mean he means serious. I mean, if The Rock's not going to say hello to Chaz on mosh, I mean, you know he's, he's really on fire. <laughs> you know he's in a foul mood if he's not talking to the headbangers. No, one half the headbangers and the headbangers mate Jimmy. <laughs> anyway, the king of rock what the king of rock who brings out dx and some special black and green balloons triple h explains when something good happens he just wants to share it with everybody but don't misunderstand he still despises every single one of you people in the sh uh, in the crowd he's not having a celebration with you he's having it in front of you oh. crowd boo he's such a dick such a triple bad h guy. says kane and undertaker aren't contenders anymore and also triple h pinned rock one two three on raw so there are no no more contenders right now according to him uh, triple h thanks everyone in the ring for helping him and for being such a good friend uh, from road dog to xbox to patterson to hardcore champion briscoe and then he gets to Steph, and the slut chants are deafening. <laughs> it's like complete silence and some slight booze when he's at Briscoe and Patterson. I guess because the Buffalo, New York crowd, remember the, the wars they had in the 80s. But as soon as they get to Steph, it's slut city. Not Sunderland. Triple H wants a big hug with everybody in the ring. And as they're doing the big old Triple H hug, if you smell, la, 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 la. that's right. The Rock is here, and The Rock wants a hug. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, the Rock doesn't care about the party or even the title. He just wants to kick 
Triple H's ass. He says, tonight, it doesn't matter if it's no DQ, handicap, or Triple H Stephanie shove 50 balloons up your ass match. Uh, it's an interesting line, and I swear at this point, Rock has an ass fetish. There is definitely an epiphany for the ass or shoving things up it. Crowd reacts, so it must be something in the air. Triple H thinks the Rock has a lot of anger inside him. <laughs> Which I think was a nice little line. And he says, he thinks the Rock's misguided. Look at this footage. And they show clips of Undertaker costing the Rock the title at Judgment Day 2000 when he interfered on everybody right in front of Shawn Michaels, the special guest referee, when he says, no, Undertaker, don't do that. And he did it anyway. And then on Raw, the Rock accidentally hits the Undertaker with a chair. So Undertaker chokes him on Raw so Triple H could pin him. This brings out Undertaker and his very awkwardly edited theme to interrupt. And Undertaker teases taking out The Rock, but changes his mind and takes out all of DX instead because he's The Undertaker. They eventually mob him, and after a think, The Rock jumps in and helps him clean house, like how The Mummy Returns is going to clean up at the Oscars <laughs> next year. But then Undertaker accidentally hits The Rock with a chair, as he was aiming for X-Park, and then he chases him off with the underbiker. But attention there. And after the break, The Rock goes to Undertaker's locker room, but instead bumps into Kane, who's been watching on his little TV. Kane doesn't say anything, and they stare off until Kane tries his promo voice. <laughs> and Rock explains he doesn't like that as much as Silent Kane, so they brawl until the useless referees show up. <laughs> A lot of stuff going on here. Tom, what did you think of all this? Um... Gosh, the DX bit goes on a bit. I mean, now they've started, they've started, I feel like this is the first week they've started properly referring to them as the McMahon-Helmsley faction. I feel like they, they drill that in quite a lot this week, more than they normally do, unless I've not been paying attention. I feel like they drill in the faction line quite a bit. So that's an interesting little uh, tidbit from me. Um, also, these segments at the start with Triple H and diatribes and, and booking the rest of the night, they are very rarely as good as, as the people involved think they are, you know? And there you get the odd little, you get the odd bit of gold from Triple H in these big, long promo bits that start, but more often than not, they're just long-winded exposition. Like, say what you want for the state of Monday Night Raw these days, but the majority of times... They'll put like some graphics up and go, tonight, this match, and this match, and this match. Whereas back in the day, you'd have had a 20-minute promo to get you to one of the matches. So <laughs> there is that. Uh, but the, yeah, this went on a bit. And then you got Rock and Kane having like a pub fight backstage. It's weird, the humanizing of Kane at this point. It still feels very odd. You may be wondering where Paul Bearer is, Matthew. I was. Um, the plan is, according to Dave Meltzer, for Paul Bearer to come back, but nowhere near The Undertaker and Kane. At time of writing, uh, there is possibly the, the chance that Paul Bearer will return as a in an old-time manager role as Percy Pringle, or a name with a similar Percy Pringle-type persona attached to it. Willie Walkers. <laughs> uh, uh, Stephen McCoy's. <laughs> Actually, sorry, Willie Walkers sounds like bloody Chegwin, so carry on. <laughs> Billy Brannigan's. Do you remember Brannigan's crisps? Uh, no, but oh! you said so well, I'm going to pretend to. You don't remember Brannigan's? Oh, they were like beefy crisps that came in, in paper packaging. 
I'm going to show you a pack. I'm going to show you a packet of Brannigan's crisps to see whether it stirs anything. Oh, I'm looking at it now. They don't make them anymore. They're um they're discontinued, and it, my heart bleeds every day. All uh, right, well, your... I'll see you Brannigan's, <laughs> and I raise you one um, Timmy Tudor. Nice, no, Tudor crisps. Bag of Tudor. They're a very they're a very northeast crisp, aren't they? Maybe Brannigan's and Tudor were just different uh, <laughs> they geographically. Were, it, the Tudor crisps, by the way, it's uh, very fascinating to see because the adverts and stuff uh, were filmed like in biker. Oh, so the Tudor go, crisps? Going up a, yeah, going up and down Shields Road. You're like, bloody hell. I used to live there. Oh, that's class. I like it when they when they film stuff around here. Like watching, I was watching old pack promos from AEW the other day. And just pack there going, Oh, Kenny Omega, you silly bastard. I'm going to come and get it. I why he's Welsh. <laughs> Gonna come and get you, Kenny Omega, you silly bastard. Um, undoing all that shite. Uh, From the valleys, um. Oh, I tell you what, Kenny, I will. I, you're half tidy, Kenny. Um, <laughs> My accent goes up and down like me. Yeah, like a bit how like you will go up and down when I bounce you. <laughs> you're both gonna bounce. I'm going to bounce you, Kenny. I'm going to bounce you. Um, I'll tell you it's that. Bally kiss Angel, and you can kiss your title goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tell you what. I don't what. know what that even was. Sorry, that I'm, was just a pissed up Hartley Pudley, and I'm very sorry. I'm going to Gavin yours, Daisy. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the point I'm making is I liked. Are those... you going to retain your title? Catherine Zeta knows. <laughs> oh, that's the, probably the worst thing I've ever said on this podcast. Kenny Omega, well, you're scared of facing Puck. It's not unusual. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna when I get in the ring with you, Kenny Omega. I'm gonna knock you out of the ring <laughs> and in the row. Why? 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 <laughs> Delilah. <laughs> then I'm gonna have a ball of bootlegger. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, Kenny Omega, right? <laughs> I love the accent started off so well, so well, and now it's just offensive. The point I'm making is... The point I'm making is when Pax are going, Hey, Kenny, gonna have you, lad. Um, <laughs> you bastard. I like it when he's filming on, like, the quayside in Newcastle. Oh. So you can see the River Tyne and the bridge, the Tyne Bridge behind him. And like, and there's one shot where he's outside that jeweler's on the corner near Stack in Newcastle. I'm like, oh, I know there. I've stood there. I've been I've been attacked by a charity mugger there. Oh. <laughs> it's packed there going, I'm outside this jeweler's. I'm going to wear you like a watch, Kenny Omega. <laughs> he doesn't say that. But I wish he did. Uh, Mate. You've gone from maybe Geordie to maybe Welsh. It sounded like Zag from Zig and Zag. <laughs> Do you all love me? Do you all love me? <laughs> Please welcome my special guest, Jenny Powell. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Pag Zagamuffin. <laughs> Turn on your landing light. Turn it on. Turn on your landing my god we're niche this week oh jesus niche this week. so yeah you're talking about uh b- 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 yeah, paul so bearer paul bearer's coming back as a manager 
<sighs> I wonder what happened there. Um, I think we, we you, okay, so here's the thread, right? I found the hard. thread that we pulled. Percy Pringle, you said Willy Walker, I said Billy Brannigan's, and I said, do you remember Brannigan's crisps? And you said, oh, do you remember Tudor crisps? They filmed that in Shields Road. And I said, oh, it's nice for you to see somewhere you know, like the pack promos where he's like, I tell you what, Kenny Omega, when I come round yours, I'm going to put you in the bubble. After, after this, Kenny Omega, we're going to go back to the big breakfast with Johnny Vaughan. <laughs> oh, no, tell you what, Kenny Omega, I'm going to take you up Northumberland Road. <laughs> you do, is it? You do a really good thing. <laughs> anyway, yes, I don't remember the Paul Bear. How do you remember all that stuff that we talked about, Tom? That was an hour and a half ago. <laughs> it was, mate, that was, on, that, was on, that was on Sunday. We started that. 47 oh. minutes into this stupid oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. podcast, we've talked about two things that happened. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This leads to the WF Tag Champions. <laughs> Too cool. Take, don't worry, this will get us back on track. Something normal here, Tom. A good old-fashioned tag team title defense. Oh, they're taking on the team of the Godfather and light heavyweight champion Dean Malenko. <laughs> What? <laughs> what an odd Wait a minute. team. Yeah. Bell rings while Dean still has his title on because the action is so fast and Dean is so small. <laughs> Too cool. Get distracted with dancing. They notice the Godfather firing up the hoe train and he takes one in the corner and then he acted like he didn't hit it. Okay. Then we get Dino versus Hottie one more time in its usual goodness. That's unappreciated unappreciated by everybody at the time but we can now look in 2020 and go god smoother than peanut butter these two mm. hottie reverses a reverse suplex into one of his own in a damn fine spot and it all breaks down with shotty hitting the worm on dino and godfather knocking him down the ring the hose help hottie to his feet and as he's dealing with them sex a lands the hip-hop drop Alenko to retain damn it 
Thomas says, if you can't trust a hoe, my dad was right. <laughs> you can't uh, make a hoe Just a, a hot match. <laughs> just a hot match. None of the commentators sadly mentioned why the Godfather and Dino were together, which is the question that was on everybody's lips. I guess we'll have to tune into next week's SmackDown to find out, eh, Tom? Exactly. I mean, I'm not against um, these two as a team. Like, there's worse odd couple tag teams. Like, it kind of it kind of predicts the the Dean Malenko ladies man thing that they're going to do down the road. Not that far down the road, but certainly down the That's road. That's what I was thinking. Is this? He gets a taste of uh, the. How can I put this nice way? Of ho juice, <laughs> which will be dropping their sponsors next week, thanks to uh, pressure from the PTC. <laughs> Anyway, backstage, the uh, McMahon Helms, the family, decide, you know what? It'll be a really, really good idea to have Kane, Undertaker, and The Rock take on DX. Yeah, that's a great idea, isn't it? We're so smart. We get the zoom in on Triple H as he just looks annoyed and seethes. See, speaking of annoyed, here's the ever-happy Chris Benoit. And he's brought to you by Stacker 2. That's how he got his physique. Stacker two and nothing else. <laughs> and his opponent in the IC title defense is Jeff Hardy. Jeff lands some high-flying moves to start off as Benoit is called the fightingest IC champion. And Lawler says, hey, what about Patterson? That was a nice line. Jeff Hardy misses a rare 450 splash off the top and absolutely eeps poop on the way down. All Benoit needs to do is move and Jeff will beat himself. Jeff gets annihilated for five minutes before a horrible sunset flip attempt gets him a one count. And Hardy delivers a tope con hello as he tries to take every single bump he can on the bingo card. Jeff manages to land the swanton, but Benoit gets his foot on the ropes and then lands the crossface out of nowhere for the submission victory. Just Jeff Hardy destroying his body for 10 minutes. And I actually felt bad watching Jeff take some of these bumps because you can tell he's full of life. He's getting a push. He's waited all his life for this moment. And he's absolutely destroying himself, which would obviously take him from later on in life. Afterwards, Jeff shakes his hand and Benoit returns the handshake. Crowd are very nice and respectful. But then Benoit twats him with the title and grins in his contract obligated time where he shows emotion once per episode. <laughs> what do you think, Tom? Best match of the night. Best match of the night. I thought these two just had a, a humdinger. They really did. And we are entering this beautiful work rate era for for wwf now lots of love for benoit like they talked about him on commentary being and it's a it's a it's a line in the english language that i always have trouble with the fightingest intercontinental champion the fightingest and i get the meaning but the word just doesn't sit right in my face fightingest the most fightingest champion because he's defending his belt everywhere and that's what the intercontinental title is all about we talked about this i think the other week how that championship should be the belt that's defended all the time. That's like the workhorse belt. It's the work rate belt. And that's the belt that is that you know you'll you'll have the best matches with. And this was proof of it. I think you know obviously history will will leave a a, a story for Chris Benoit, one that I'm not going to to defend or challenge. But Benoit as an Intercontinental Champion here was perfect. It's just a a nasty aggressive wrestler 
who would just outmaneuver everybody. And it's almost like he had a million different ways he'd put the cross face on in most of his matches, different ways to do it. Akin to, like, I'd, like, I'd love to see in modern wrestling, I'd love to see, like, a Timothy Thatcher with the Intercontinental Championship and a, and a, and a push akin to this one, i.e. every week wrestling, but out-wrestling every style. Like, that'd be great. But Benoit, I thought, was great here, and Jeff really shone here as well. Glad to think, glad to see that you enjoyed it. I did. I had a lovely time. Oh, good. We were all about having lovely times here. <laughs> yeah. As I try to look for my notes and just talk about any old crap. Oh, here we, we go. Do we need to fill some time with mine? <laughs> I don't know. I think we can like, fill time on this show. It's, just, it's, just, it's <laughs> oh, one of the things people, think, people say. Can you look? You, you guys talk about wrestling too much on this podcast. <laughs> I'll fill time. Don't worry. Let me tell you something, Kenny Omega. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I've come out of... <laughs> it's Daddy O'Doherty now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is it? Tell you what, Kenny O'Meara. When I come out of this branch of, <laughs> of Greg's, I'm going to have your guts for garters. I love the pause there as Tom tried to think, right, what is there in Bishop Auckland? I was thinking... Apart from drug problems. My head was walking up Northumberland Street. <laughs> oh, OK. I'm going to pop to that cafe that backs onto a tanning salon. <laughs> What if I don't get the two mixed up again? Because it's weird. Because <laughs> the, the shade of pumpkin spice latte has only just come out of my skin. And I'm going to come for you, Kenny Omega. <laughs> Listen, I'm Tom Campbell from Cullaholic. And I don't know what accent I'm doing, but it's basically a ruffian's voice from an old Sherlock Holmes novel. I ain't telling you nothing, Holmes. <laughs> I ain't telling Hooked you nothing. North. We don't take, tolerate that type of bit. <laughs> I had a grass. <laughs> I had a grass, Holmes. I ain't telling you nothing. Not even for a canny bag of Tudor, <laughs> which is where I'm from. Canny bag of Tudor. <laughs> I lived inside a canny bag of Tudor. Watch out, Holmes. He's from Northumberland. <laughs> How can you tell? <laughs> oh, there we go. Watch out, Holmes. <laughs> He's from me. You can tell by the three eyes on his head. <laughs> Speaking of which, look out, look out there. He's from, look out, Holmes, he's from Barnard Castle. How do you know? His eyesight is excellent. <sighs> Topical gag. This podcast was recorded in November of 2020. <laughs> you know what, something you can't get in November 2020 anymore. Uh, Stack outside, outside oh, the house. Damn it! it was, yeah, yes, thank you, Tom. <laughs> a shop. Brannigan's. A hug from a loved one. Zig and Zag. Christmas presents for family. That's right, Tom. Stacker two. Stacker two. That's the one. And they present the heart murmur of the week. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> My parents have asked that for Christmas, and it is Kurt Angle going through the table on Raw thanks to the Dudleys. That was Stacker two. Oh, me liver. <laughs> Speaking of which, Kurt Edge and Christian, Team Eck, are here. Kurt is upset at what the Dudleys did to him on Raw, and he's not just upset, but hundreds of upset children. Uh, even more upset now that they saw Kurt get well, well titled and Matthew that they saw Kurt get <laughs> through the table and also they are all still reading from Christian getting hit in the balls by a dwarf referring to <laughs> Joe C lose, helping them lose the titles it, this was dying for Cole to explain what that meant 
but it's that hang in the air like oh yeah by the way <laughs> some dwarves is a christian like it's an everyday thing what's funny anyway, is, that, is that they, they over explain so much on this show like like michael colby there where the rock and kane are talking he'd be going hey hey look look king rock and kane are talking we know we can see that they're fighting now we can see that hey a joke about dwarves not gonna give any context but that's where you should give context no hey look the rock's got a hand lava is hot <laughs> pack is from wales you know all these obvious things <laughs> tell you what kill you man oh no <laughs> We burn through memes on this podcast, don't we? I was thinking about this the other day. We, we burn do. through memes. Like, you think about this. In October, we 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 birthed and shot down That's Gotta Be Kane. <laughs> and oh, no, that's I, made a comeback. Don't worry, kids. And I'm a time traveller. <laughs> Season two, it's been renewed. Oh, get in. <laughs> Go on, uh, what else have we burned? <laughs> Oh, never mind then. Um, Christian says, speaking of losers, we're in Buffalo. And this is something that I think over the years I got immune to and don't care about. But in 2000, it's so effective. Ha ha, your state sucks. <laughs> and the crowd really react for this because Buffalo, they lose at the Super Bowl. Boo. They lose at the Stanley Cup. Boo. With Lola adding, oh, I forgot about that one. OJ Simpson. Boo. <laughs> like, how dare you say OJ Simpson? And Christian says, it doesn't get much sadder than this. Good Lord. <laughs> you know, you lose everything. OJ Simpson. Uh, Ed says, for those flash photography, here's their new pose. And these bits are great because you don't need to know exactly what's happening in the current history of the moment because let's appreciate this <laughs> Kurt puts on a jersey I imagine it's for Buffalo the Buffalo Bills whatever the call I don't care and Edge and Christian <laughs> Edge and Christian decide to perform the pose as the football goal pulls as Kurt misses the kick <laughs> and again you don't need to know about what exactly happened because Cole and Lola explain it and you just know the crowd is just booing this with such fierceness and emotion, like you bastards. So, and they make it even better. They then cut to some dudes in the front row who play for the Butlo whatevers. And then they don't even give them like a, a, a names or anything. They just go, oh, look, it's the, the, the forward left, the midfielders for the Buffalo Todgers. And then we move on to the wrestlers because they're more important. Because that's the priority right now in wrestling. These guys probably have to beg to be on the show rather than the other way around because nothing is touching SmackDown 2000. Oh, God. Sorry, I was laughing too hard for that. Anyway, it's three on two with two cool taken on ECK. Why is that? Well, the commentators speculate that Stephanie put this match together because, you know, she may or may not have a thing for little old Kurt as that, that storyline is slow brewing tremendously. It's definitely simmering as we go through these months. And it's a really quick, fast match. Ends with Kurt Angle accidentally taking a spear by Edge and then ending it with a 3D. And that's pretty much it. Uh, the before match shenanigans took up way more time. And I enjoyed this for what it was. But Tom, what did you think of it? Uh, 
Yeah, it was what it was, wasn't it? Um, I was. I quite enjoyed it actually. Decent little knockabout. Did the job. I'm enjoying Dudley's as a as a face team. Team Eck are just stunning. Edge, Christian, and Kurt Angle are just the best. They're just so good as a, as a threesome, and it's almost like they're all being elevated by each other. If you see what I mean, like they're all being brought up. Obviously, Angle is kind of the lead, the leader in this whole thing, but he is being brought up. He's bringing the others up with him, which is ace to see. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Great. Sorry for the typing there, but the boss is going, uh, asking messages on Slack. I know. I've got I've got the Slack window open in front of me, and yeah. I saw you typing. <laughs> and it's funny seeing Tom's messages coming up, and I'm hearing typing and going, ooh. <laughs> Uh, Stephanie, I'm just I'm just putting emoji on the thing that you wrote. Oh, <laughs> 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 just, anyone wants to know what happened there? I just put a heart on the on the little comment that Matthew wrote on our oh, good. I love in, on our on our interwork messaging service. Be great, but Judy's trying to like get the serious discussion out the way. These orders done, and it's just like <laughs> zag. <laughs> <sighs> Stephanie McMahon-Helmsley gets a quick interview backstage with Jonathan Coachman about how great she is. And apparently there's a battle royal tonight and it's an open challenge. And the winner of that gets a title shot against Stephanie next week. But how can anyone want to challenge her? She's so great. And she you know what, let's go and check, shall we, Coachman? And she opens up the women's locker room and would you believe it, there's a bunch of them half-dressed and wearing towels and they're very annoyed that Coachman's there and then Stephanie McMahon shoves them towards them, shuts the door and switches off the light and laughs. Oh, that <laughs> wacky Steph. That's it. Go in there and see all the women. And I thought, I remember looking at that thinking, okay, well, there's there's some of the women in the Battle Royal. I wonder who, who the others are. <laughs> Not knowing what was coming. There's some of Chaz or Mosh's friends from earlier. That were too busy. They're getting ready for the bit where the rock walks by them and he doesn't say anything to them. <laughs> uh, even further backstage, Undertaker confronts Kane and wonders why he's not done anything to help him, even though he's been watching TV tonight and seen that he's needed some help. Kane says, because he's been watching the brand new series of That's Gotta Be Kane. <laughs> and said so there's this episode, right, where Kane has this bright idea of selling tap water as Peckham Spring. But then Undertaker doesn't want to hear about this this great plot device and just sort of meanders off, probably wondering why he doesn't have his own show. <laughs> why can't I have my own show? Yeah. Little brother's having a little tiff there. Yeah. Undertaker's... The thing is, Undertaker would be the sort of character on That's Gotta Be Kane. Every time he comes on, the crowd would cheer. Oh, it's my brother. Oh, I have the exact amount of food <laughs> needed for three people. As I've been budgeting. <laughs> Ding dong! You've done it now! Oh no! My brother and former WWF World Heavyweight Champion, The Undertaker! I have driven for an hour and I'm absolutely starving. He rolls his eyes back. <laughs> Unless I get some food in me soon, I will not rest in peace. Uh, uh, okay, Undertaker. Uh, let me go check. 
Oh, ye gods, my roast is ruined. <laughs> Undertaker's going to bury me alive again. But what, what if... if? I, I disguised... I went to... Oh, think, think. I, I went to I went Burger to King. <laughs> I went to Subway, sponsored by WWF Smackdown. Subway, and disguised this, the, what do they call them, hoagies, as my own <laughs> cooking. <laughs> Gets his foot on up in the window. <laughs> That's gotta be Kane. <laughs> Kane. What? What, what are you doing? Oh, I'm uh, practicing my big boot pose. Don't want to be messing up no big boot spots, right? Why is there steam coming out of your oven? That's not steam. That's the fire. Well, it burns. Well, it burns. The fire, the fire. And the just leaves. Phew, that got rid of him. Tuck, 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 tuck. I hope you're ready for mouth mouth-watering. Uh, uh, cane burgers. <laughs> I, thought we I thought you said. <laughs> Tommy, I'm going to stop you. I'm going to have to do no, the whole thing. I'm not going to stop you. You must keep right. <laughs> Let me ad lib more of this glory. Yes, please. I thought. I Pretty much the same voice. I thought, Kane, <laughs> my brother. I thought you said you were saying. We were having uh, under burgers. No. Underburgers! No. That's what I call. <laughs> I forgot where I was. Um, no, we're having, we're having cane hoagies, all right? That's what I call them. Where you, are you, from? you call underburgers cane hoagies? Yes. It's a Death Valley expression. Really? Well, I used to be from Death Valley, and I've never heard of it. Oh, it's more of a, a North, North Death, Valley. Death Valley expression. By, by the tree. Oh, I see. I don't go by the tree anymore. You know. Jesus Christ. You know, my brother Kane, who sounds nothing like me. These Kane hoagies taste a lot like the Subway burgers that sponsor this episode of WF Smackdown. And later on, King of the Ring, later on this month. Oh, ak, 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 ak. Old Linda recipe. For Kane hoagies. Yes. Yes, and you call them cane hoagies, despite the fact that they're obviously subs. <laughs> uh, well, uh, uh, you know, uh, Paul Bear is coming back as a man. <laughs> Excuse me for one second. <laughs> wow, what a great evening. <laughs> yes, I should be going. I have a number one contenders match to... Good lord, what is happening in there? Vroom, vroom, you've done it now, Kane. <laughs> no, uh, uh, that's just an inferno match. <laughs> an inferno match at this time of year on this episode of SmackDown with no hype or build in your kitchen. Yes, ack, ack. <laughs> Am I wrestling? No. <laughs> Well, Kane, you are a strange brother, but you do hoagie a good Kane. <laughs> so close. Kane, you do oh, Kane a good hoagie. No, Paul, it's <laughs> just an inferno match. Mate, we've peaked. I think we've peaked. That's gotta be Kane. That's gotta be Kane. <laughs>
and Superintendent Undertaker. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I said it was Paul Bearer dying in the fight. Yeah, it should be Linda. <laughs> I forgot there was a tired thing. Oh, we've ruined it. Season two Start sucks again. compared to season one. I can Start. see the reviews already on IMDb. Oh, well, we had a good run. you got to start from the beginning now. <laughs> Mate, that was amazing. That was that was that was fine work. Well, Kane, I made it, despite you burying me alive. Oh, Undertaker, my brother. Eck. I like how when you do an impression of Kane, every so often he just goes. Eck. It's the, it's how you can I tell the difference between the two voices. No, you can tell the difference because you throw in Undertaker isms when you do. You go, oh, Kane, my brother. Or you've done it now, steamed hams. Uh. Oh mate, I just oh gosh, I feel that's that's made my day. That's made my day. Thank you. Oh mate, I feel empty. I'm hungry now <laughs> for some delicious Subway. Mmm, have it your way. The way in Subway is lit in yellow. Stephanie's here, and yeah, she's been women's champion for a long time without defending it. Something pointed out by the commentators is blatantly against the rules of the titles that uh, is ran by person who happens to be a father just saying <laughs> oh here's tory as the guest referee because it's a battle royal with pinfalls and submissions and they can go through the ropes because apparently if it's good enough for dwarfs it's good enough for women and the competitors are the cat terry ivory jackie and lita and the tolkien-esque cat and terry feud continues with both ending up outside and wrestling despite wearing high heels and basically belts how small uh, does how how massive does the wrestling ring look with just five people in a battle royal? <laughs> five women who haven't eaten in days. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's the SmackDown debut of Lita's thong look. And you think someone will tell her to pull her pants off, but this was the thing in the year of our Lord 2000. This was very common around the, the place. Rage. And this is what made WF look relatively uh worth it. Even more so than Stacker 2. And all results, uh, what have we got here? Lita eliminating Jackie in a blatant edit, so it must have sucked. Leaving Lita alone to beat Terry with a moonsault. And she wants the title shot tonight. I was wrong, it wasn't last week. Uh, that, tonight. And Stephanie's been doing commentary. And Lita says she wants Stephanie right now. And Stephanie gets up and goes, well, I'd, I'd better do it. I'm a fighting champion. So the special guest referee attacks her from behind, lands the Tory Plex, which sadly no one else does anymore. And then starts the match, Steffi walks over, pins her in five seconds, and that's it. <laughs> Lita then does an interview saying that she's mad. And uh, Lola responds, she's not mad, she's just a sore loser. <laughs> anyway, good little rub for Lita here, where she wins a match and gets some of the uh, momentum. A term that gets used often in a parody sense, but was quite real here. Uh, from leaving uh, S.A. Rios to join with the Hardys. Uh, but Stephanie still gets her heat because she's Stephanie McMahon. What did you think, Tom? Uh, yeah, I liked it. It was just it was just a way of um, getting Steph over as bad heel, like the a very Triple H way of doing it as well with shenanigans and smoke and mirrors and all that stuff. It puts Lita over strong, which is good. Lita's promo afterwards, I thought, was very. Well, there's there's a way to go for Lita's mic work here. <laughs> Up. Even you know, it's, you know, I know that even if uh, Kevin Kelly asked the right question, still wasn't quite. 
yeah, lacked a bit in the interview, but we know where we're going with this, and there is a nice payoff to this when we get there. So I'm oh. all for it for now. I love episodic content. Incidentally, talking of episodic content, Kevin Kelly was in that bit. You'll hear him tomorrow on the Cultaholic podcast feed in a brand new episode of Desert Island Graps. Kevin Kelly and I, we talked about wrestling, his radio career, date nights, and his three wrestling matches that he would watch while stranded on a desert island. Hear that tomorrow from Kevin Kelly from off of New Japan and formerly the WWF and this episode of WWF Smackdown. There we go. Got that in. That was a nice spot. Date night. We talk, he talks about like now he's working from home, like he's having more date nights with his wife. It's very nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, there's some human stuff in there as well as the wrestlings. Oh, so does it go from like, oh, that's really nice, and it's good to see you as a real person now, Kevin Kelly. Um, glad that you and your partner are having a nice time. So about the time that The Rock put a shirt over your face because you were too ugly <laughs> for the promo and you stood there for your hand out. Did you have a lovely time? Yeah, what are your memories of standing still? <laughs> anyway, don't let that distract you. It's Matt Hardy versus Eddie Guerrero in a King of the Ring qualifier match. It's good action, but there's only so much wrestling we can fit into these podcasts before we have to bring up a crap N64 game. It's a union thing, I'm sorry. Blame Pachidi. So Eddie <laughs> wins with a Frankensteiner off the top. Something, something. Test. <laughs> Steph. Steph, I'm stuck on tonic trouble. There you go. <laughs> nice. Any thoughts here, Tom? Uh, fine. Just did, it did what it needed to do. Did what it yep. needed to do. <laughs> <sighs> Don't worry, the next segment will pick it up. Val Venus backstage is doing push-ups, and Trish Stratus is complaining about how often she's washed her face, but she can still smell the smell of Rikishi's ass. Uh, she gets annoyed that Val Venus is not paying attention to her, so then. Val gets up and goes, hey. <laughs> oh, no. oh, me poor throat. <laughs> <laughs> now, is it Kane or Undertaker doing this? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's not them because he, he says, my manager, Trish. <laughs> if it was Undertaker, he'd say, my brother, Kane. <laughs> if it was Kane, he'd go, Egg. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, those are things we need to listen for. Yes, all right. Are you paying attention, boys and girls? <laughs> the man of a thousand voices. <laughs> And he says, listen, Trish, we're only together as manager and wrestler. <laughs> so the only thing you need to do is to hold your end of the bargain up. So one thing is, they're together. That's interesting. That must have been something that happened on Raw. And it's, they're still sticking with non-pun serious Venus. And I'm like, oh, okay, I mean, they find an uphill battle here when you still got that name, that pervy voice, and also he still has <laughs> Hello Ladies at the start of his theme, which is now a hard mix, rather like Sonny, they're just going to re-release this in two years' time and hope it charts. <laughs> and before he gets to this next thing, we get the Tabaki is Wacky. Uh, bring the ass of the week. And it is Trish getting rikishied on Raw, like she just said. It's nice when these adverts play into what's happening on in the storylines that we're going through. It's, it's a nice segue. So it's a serious, serious grudge match. And you know it is, and it's always a serious grudge match when it's a reformed porn star against a man with a huge ass. Uh, rikishi wrecks him easily, so Trish interferes with a bag of cocaine. 
and it culminates with Val Venus busting Rikishi open with the ring steps, the DQ. The useless referees arrive to uh, watch as Val Venus strikes Rikishi down with the ring bell repeatedly. They don't just stand there doing nothing and just go, oh no, the humanity. It's one way of repackaging Venus. And I thought that was the end of it because it's okay, nice letting their message across. Then after the replays of what we've just seen, they're still going at it. There's nothing to stop Rikishi's. He's bleeding everywhere. The red's all over his beautiful yellow hair. And he takes Venus all the way to the Tron, stomps his face in the steel, which I thought was going to be the end of it. But then Rikishi leg drops Venus on the stage. And I thought, bloody hell, that was enough to end Undertaker's face in 95. So that's going to be the end of it, right? Oh, no. Val Venus then gets shoved off the stage. I'm thinking, all right, well, that's going to be the end of this. And then Rikishi splashes him off the stage. What the hell? <laughs> and they've done spots like this later on, uh, where they've used a mountain of mound and padding to make it look safe. There didn't appear to be a lot when Rikishi jumped down. I mean, there was a layer of something for sure, but I don't know, when Snitskin came, went off raw ramp one time, and it was basically a bouncy castle at that point. This is just Rikishi doing a splash to the outside and some a little bit of padding. And I was amazed by this. I had, this was, I know Venus and Rikishi would feud coming in that amazing cage match, but I did not remember this segment at all, Tom. What, where were you for this Blitzkrieg, not like that, of uh, <laughs> Venus versus uh, Rikishi? Oh, no, I remember this because I remember at the time just thinking, oh, Rikishi, Val Venus, I'll just sort of, I, I, was, I was doing, I remember watching it first time thinking, oh, let this, this match will just happen, then we'll move on to Rock's on later, Rocky, Rocky. But yeah, I remember they just went OTT for this. And the jump off the stage was unreal. Like, Rikishi like, looks like he almost hangs in midair for a second as he's on the way down. I think it was where the camera shot it. I remember thinking that was impressive. Yeah, they just went for it here. Um, you may notice the music was dubbed over in his intro. It's because Val Venus's third, second theme was done by, I believe, a group called Dance Party, a remix by Dance Party. And obviously, WWE don't want to pay the uh, the fees to Dance Party, so let's just whack a generic track over the top of it. It'll all be fine. Um, oh, I, enjoy I didn't how... realise that. On my copy, sorry to interrupt you, my copy, uh, I have to go back and compare the themes then because maybe just, it was that unspectacular theme that I didn't notice. It really, it, like, if you can listen to the, the Dance Party remix, the, the, the official one, and what they dubbed over the top, there isn't much difference between them. Oh, fair enough then. Yeah, Thank so you, you, Tom, for clarifying that. Um, I also put the bell makes a satisfying ding on impact. And I don't know if that's piped in or not. It must be. Unless you ring the bell as you hit. With, unless you hit the, hit the guy as you ring the bell. I thought they, that's what they... You know what? Honestly, I realise how silly I sound by saying that. But I genuinely thought the bell would make that noise when they would ding. I mean, it might do. I mean, it might do. I mean, Samoan's heads are hollow, so it would make sense if that hit a bell. Also, I put here, um, Val Venus, <clears throat> when celebrating his destruction, looks like Julian Barrett from the Mighty Boosh. <laughs> <clears throat> There's wow. a particular face that he has <clears throat> where he looks like Julian Barrett from Mighty Boosh. He looks like Howard Moon. Very Howardy. It's all right, mate. But I know I loved it. I loved the the rip apart brawl that these guys had. They will take it to the next level in a, a few months' time. They certainly would. On Raw, 
Benoit defeated Road Dog to qualify for King of the Ring. And Hardcore Holly likewise did the same with Farouk after a beautiful Falcon Arrow. And on Sunday Night Heat, Devon Dudley takes on Albert and Bubba takes on Bossman. Be still my beating heart. Do you not think there is a bit of a disparity? But like, Because this is the, the story here with this particular King of the Ring. And for the record, I bloody love a King of the Ring. I bloody love a King of the Ring. This is the biggest King of the Ring they ever, they've ever done. 32 competitors in this King of the Ring. Normally, they're around 16 or 8. This is 32 in this one. And there seems to be a weird disparity as we get to the end. As, like, like the, some of the stars in this tournament uh, is a mixed bag. And a lot of them crash out quite early. You know, like... You don't see, like, like Eddie Guerrero does relatively well. He gets to the quarterfinals, so he stands out. Um, who else doesn't quite make it through? Like All of the uh, uh, Meltzer favourites, whatever the term would be, all the work rate guys crash out in the quarterfinals yeah. yesterday, which I remember annoying a lot of people because, uh, you know, we want the Super J Cup, but uh, you know what? It's been such a long time since I've seen King of the Ring 2000. I'm looking forward to it because after watching all this build-up, I'm like, come on, maybe this time we watch it, Crash Holly will get to the finals. They do tell uh, they do tell a fun story with Crash Holly, but I don't think, if, if memory serves, I don't think it got over as they hoped it would. Like, I think they wanted, like, this groundswell of support for Crash Holly, but I might be mistaken. It's been a while since I've watched the King of the Ring pay-per-view, but I don't recall there being this mass crowd support, this groundswell for Crash Holly. And, you know, when you think about, like, the quarterfinals of this epic King of the Ring, one of the matches of the quarterfinals is Crash Holly versus Bull Buchanan. It, yes. it shows a real, like, what's gone on here? Well, why are so many good ones gone so soon? Well, I think King of the Ring 2000... At this point, like most King of the Rings, well, actually, not, not like most King of the Rings, actually, it goes on and off, doesn't it? But they're trying to get the, the full mid-card a push. I mean, yeah, there's the Booby Cannons, the Crash Hollies, there's all these other little storylines going on right now, and I think they're trying to get all of them at once. And as a result, you know, not that many people got over. But it did show what the mid-card was like around that period. But I think we'll have plenty to talk about in the upcoming weeks. Right now, we still don't know what's going to happen between Bubba Dudley and Big Boss Man, Tom. I think you're jumping the gun. Oh, I'm very excited. <laughs> that's right. On the Sunday Night Heat podcast, that's right. Matthew and Sam Driver talk about all the action and excitement of Sunday Night Heat. <laughs> year level 2000. I'd listen to that. <clears throat> then me and Owen will watch Jacked every Saturday morning, 9am. Be there or be stupid. Can you and Andrew watch Livewire? <laughs> that's the only thing that's left. Yeah. Everything whilst, Andrew, whilst Andrew moisturises his head. I think we're going to have to get Andrew on a SmackDown podcast. Oh, like he's such a cool guy. He's flipping like, ace. He, the editors in this uh, wonderful world of cultaholic, I think that they're the underdogs, and you know, I, I meet with them and talk crap, and they're just the loveliest people. It would be nice to see, but then I get worried because then I go, wait, Matthew, aren't you like doing a Kevin Sullivan here and booking your own divorce? Because what happens if we get Andrew on? And not only does you know more about wrestling than you, Matthew, but he does a better Kane impression than you. <laughs> there i would never i would never marry andrew over you i might <laughs> i mean that, there head. is that there is that but anyway i, I hear you're concerned but i i no, think we I'm should joking. get it i mean i'm like ha 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 but then you've actually oh no 
think we'll get Andrew on a future one. Speaking of Sullivan, Chris Benoit talks backstage and says he does what he wants to do. Well, he must not want to emote then. And it's followed by the Go Midas CTE of the week, which is Kane pinning the rock on Raw. Uh, very confusing episode of this, like, which, like Tom said earlier, could have done with a recap because then Kane pinned rock and then Triple H pinned rock and... Go Midas! <laughs> go Midas! <laughs> go, go Midas, yeah. Uh, Andrew could do the King of the Ring watch-along, couldn't he? Ooh! We need somebody after the, the high highs of Matt McMuscles. That's an idea. I'll, I'll, I'll drop him a message. If you would like... So Andrew is, is our editor on a Monday night. He does the Twitch stream. He plays spooky games. If you would like Andrew to be a part of the King of the Ring watch along, then feel free to drop a message to Matthew Gregg on Twitter saying, give me Andrew now. <laughs> Those are the words you need to use. That's the secret code. And doing so will unlock the hidden achievement of a random test picture. <laughs> yes, it will. You lucky devils. Yeah. <sighs> The first people to send me that, by the way, don't be put off by it. It takes me an hour or so to go, what the hell is... What? Andrew? Oh, Smackdown, right. <laughs> yeah, it'll take him a second just to pop, they, just for that they so for are the gears much, to turn. All right, they are very much the uh, the morning after the night before. Uh, what night? Well, the main event night. Kane, Undertaker, The Rock taking on DX. Uh, Kane shows up first, all by himself to take on everyone, with Undertaker and his song by... The Denver Broncos from the new hit album, <laughs> The Denver Broncos. And this slowly brings out The Rock for the staggered entrance and pop. Wow, an order of importance there. I wonder who's going to be selling during this six-man tag. E. Undertaker annihilates Road Dog. Kane tags in and sells for three seconds before taking out DX. Then Rock blind tags in and obliterates everyone with spine busters. Triple H pulls the rope down so The Rock flies outside. And Road Dog works over The Rock, and he sells for 30 seconds, which may be a new SmackDown record. Then Triple H tags in, and Rock makes his comeback. But then X-Pac takes him out and stays on offense. Good God, this is history. Uh, the Rock sells for X-Pac for a few minutes. That's right, this is the episode. That's going to be the, the header to get people's attention. And Rock makes a hot tag to Undertaker, and you've done it now. <laughs> Kane comes in too, and together they salt the earth. Undertaker <laughs> pins X-Pac. It all breaks down, then he just pins him with a choke slam, and that's it. Nice, simple, hot... Oh, whoa, wait, no. Undertaker gets triple-teamed afterwards by DX, with Kane and Rock making the save. Oh, that's nice. There's no issues here. They will not be playing Triple H's game, if you will, about uh, fighting amongst each other. Then Rock gets the chair of an interfering Shane McMahon and goes to twat him, but accidentally hits Kane. And I was almost swooning my eyes going, oh, wow, he's everybody's accidentally hitting everybody here. What are the chances of that? But then the Rock looks mad and then just flat out hits Undertaker without any intention <laughs> of hitting anyone else. And I was very glad they did that because if had gone off the air with him hit, accidentally hitting Kane, it's going to make the, the crappest video package ever on Raw. <laughs> Where everybody everybody going against Triple H, no one can hit anybody they want to hit with a chair. It would have been bloody stupid. But The Rock going, nah, nuts to it, and just hits on the takeover chair. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, good. So DX lost the battle, 
but the war is far from over, as they say in the Sunday morning cartoons, with Triple H's plan very slowly taking place. Uh, and any thoughts here on this little main event, Tom? It's uh, very much a holding pattern for Raw, this main event. You get quite a few of these, don't you? This is just kind of keeping everything ticking over, keeping all the plates spinning, not making any real... I mean, last week we had like King of the Ring almost set up by the looks of things on yeah. SmackDown. But then uh, this show happened. Oh, then, then Raw happened and it all got wiped out. And now this is once again like a holding pattern for once we get back to Monday Night Raw where they will... Uh, They'll no doubt decide the King of the Ring main event then. But um, it was fine as a main event. It was your, your standard common or garden, uh, smash and grab, uh, car crash main event. Everyone hits big specials. Everyone goes home happy. The Rock doesn't like anyone. Battered taker with a chair. Yeah, and then after SmackDown off the air, he got on the microphone and goes... If you smell a box office revenue, go see The Mummy Returns. <laughs> and that is how we end SmackDown. Yes. Goodbye, Buffalo. There will be no encore. <laughs> do, 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 do. Mummy Returns. Do, 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 do. Mummy Returns. <laughs> so, Tom, to end the episode, what was something that you remembered from this week? Uh, it was Rikishi and Val. I was—I very distinctly remember these two just ripping each other to shreds in that tag mm -hmm. match, in, in that singles match, and Rikishi jumping off the stage. I remember being really quite a cool moment. Uh, how about you, sir? What did you remember? I remember The Rock getting fed up and hitting Undertaker with a chair. <laughs> Sod it. Bang. Yeah. yeah, you know what? We've won the match. Bonk. I remember that. <laughs> but what was something that you forgot? I forgot... Um, I forgot about the Battle Royal. I forgot about the Women's Battle Royal and the, the jiggery-pokery with Steph at the end of that, where Steph just wanders in and gets the win. Forgot all that happened. Like That was good to see. That was a, a fun little bit of heel shenanigans that I was a great fan of. Good times. That is what they say in the business, heel shenanigans. And what did uh, you what did you forget? I forgot all about the Rikishi Valvina segment. I think it's easy the thing that stands out the most of this episode because it's absolutely crazy. It's nice that they're still pushing Venus. He's been repackaged. He's come back. He did that promo. He was like, I'm back. <laughs> and I was like, all right, whatever. But they haven't given up on it. They haven't gone, oh, you know what, Venus? No one cares about you, about your <laughs> dick puns. They've gone, all right, well, let's give you Trish. Let's have you bloody up Rikishi. And then let's have Rikishi splash. They are like... No, no, no. We, we are keeping you afloat. The SS Val Venus is making it to port. <laughs> That's they nice still, to see. They still see him as a guy who could be a, a thing, despite the fact that like the feud he had with um, the with with Rock and Mankind didn't set the world on fire. There's still a lot of hope that Val Venus can can you can get some, some value for money out of Val Venus. Yeah, like I said, they make the spinning plate to making sure all the mid card is at least solid. Because who knows with Rock leaving. I mean, that lead, that means anybody could leave in Bull Buchanan. <laughs> be heading up his own thing. Hardcore Holly did a film with Ron Perlman last year. I mean, oh, that really. Was crazy. Uh, Test. <laughs> Test could be on Games Master. He could be playing against <laughs> Dave Perry. Can I phone He's a like, friend? No, we don't do that on hell. <laughs> <laughs> no, no and you phone. haven't got any. Oh, I just need to phone mm -hmm. Steph. The Good Samaritans told Steph you to stop knows ringing. How to, Steph knows how to use the warp whistle, and I can't remember. <laughs> All right. 
Harry Test, you gotta beat Dave Perry Games Animal at Super Mario 64. <laughs> hey, we can dream. We can dream. We 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 can dream. We spent a lot of this <laughs> spent a lot of this podcast dreaming out loud, I think. But Tom, we have talked we have talked crap uh, a lot of the time, but we have definitely talked other than your fabulous special with Ross, that's it, the Coldplay <laughs> channel this week. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Oh, and, and Kevin Kelly, of course. Kevin Kelly coming up tomorrow on Desert Island Graps. That's exciting. Um, a brand new episode of the SmackDown review on Saturday. That's happening too. Justin, Henri and I. Not SmackDown, the Raw review. That's the one. Oh, it's uh, nice. <laughs> I do something like that. Um, that's, yeah, that's coming up with um, with Justin, Henri on Monday. The Cultaholic Classic Raw review. Justin and I are watching every episode of Monday Night Raw. You'll get that on Saturday as well. Uh, otherwise, uh, this week, news videos, NXT graded, all the other stuff. Ross is back on the channel. That there is where the excitement lies. Love you by Friday. Twitch.tv slash Cultaholic on Friday afternoon from 2. Taking your live calls from the isolation station. What could possibly go wrong? How about yourself, Matthew? What's happening with you this week? Well, other than getting ready to enjoy Break Up the Not Me of uh, crap Kane impressions to crap Dave Meltzer impressions from <laughs> yeah. just an ornery. <laughs> We know our clientele on both brands, I tell you what. Absolutely good. Cleanse the palate. Yes. Um, I have a new Bodgemania out. Yay. Yay. Google it. Bodgemania 421 uh, with the tasteful Rob Van Damme intro, which would have made more sense to be in Bodgemania 420. But A, he didn't deliver it in time. And B, I think it's funnier him doing the one that isn't Bodgemania 420. Just saying. It's the drug number. Uh, Apart from that, the Colorholic podcast with myself, Jack, and yes... Mr. Ross, he's back, back again. Uh, we'll be hitting Friday evening time. Yeah, Friday evening on the YouTube much... channel and on the podcast feed as well. That's right. It depends on how much audio sweetening uh, Mr. Dick Tubman has to do for ourselves. <laughs> and I will also be doing my Twitch on Saturday afternoon. Well, oh. 6 p.m. I don't know if that counts afternoon for people. I don't know what I'll be playing. Uh, I actually managed to beat Hades yesterday for the first time. Nice. Uh, the game tells me there's been 50 hours put into it. There must be a glitch. That can't be right. <laughs> went about, went by very quickly. Uh, but I am going to try and make, touch wood, now I've said this on the podcast, the Sonic Randomizer that I've seen on Twitter uh, that has now been fully released, getting to work. Ooh. Where every time you collect the ring, it goes to a different Sonic game. Yeah, I've, I've heard about this. This is something on my list of, of things to play. I definitely want to try the Sonic Randomizer. Do we might get that on Saturday? Fingers crossed. Oh, we'll find out Saturday. Until then, he is at Matthew Gregg on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. We are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Thing is, Kenny, when I see you next, lads, you know the... You know that weird tannin salon that's next to the cafe? Up from that is a, is a casino. And round the back of that is trillions. And I'm going to go in trillions buy a pint and drink it in your honour. Then I'm going to put my boot up your ass. <laughs> Love you, bye. <laughs> Love you, bye. <laughs> Wonderful. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. (laughs) 